Hi, everybody. You're listening to a new episode of Not Too Taboo. Hi, guys. Uh, I don't even know how many episodes we've done. 962,000. Yeah, it feels like that. <laughs> Since uh, quarantine. But it's been so fun. I know. The whole time. I know. And today, double pack show. Oh, my gosh. Double yeah. mitt fun. Right? Right? Like Wrigley's double mitt commercial I fun. I feel like kind of. Twice the entertainment. <laughs> twice the intelligence. Twice, twice the, the fun. fun. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking is going to happen today. I'm really excited about our guest today because there's some of our literally like best friends, people we've known for 10 years plus at least. And do you know what you know what one of them says about us? What? That we're all like an orgy waiting to happen. Oh, for the love of God! Did you know That's that? how I mean, we're going to start. It, this. It's a saying. Oh, it's just a saying. Jesus. They won't deny it. They see, look, they won't deny it. That's what's been said. Oh that's my how cl- God! That's just how close we are. Okay, babe, we can't put out there that like we're having orgies with people because that's not what we do. It's just like <laughs> you're literally making it sound like we're that close that we have orgies with people. <laughs> oh my god! You're I'm just letting it roll. Just I'm just telling you. Was that you, an awkward silence? I was practicing you, my awkward have silence. Have you met the media? They pick up things and they make a story out of something that's not really the truth. So you can't start the podcast saying that. You well, let's know. have an orgy with the media. Oh my lordy. Um, okay. okay, so how is everybody doing? I feel like this. Okay, so are we out of quarantine? Are we still in quarantine? I'm very confused. We're on pause. It depends on the part of the world that you're in. Let's talk about our guests today. I'm really, really excited about our guests, you guys. If you have not heard of the Zarian brothers, they are identical twins whose careers in the entertainment industry literally spans decades. Like, if you haven't yeah. heard of them, you need to look them up. First of all, they're freaking gorgeous. Like, just to stare at all day long, I totally would do that. Um, uh, you totally do do that. Do, totally do do that? What yeah. does that mean? But you like to stare at them all day long. Oh, yeah. You're like, where are the brothers Zarian today? <laughs> what would they wear? Um, you should get fit like them. Oh my Why don't you dress the love like of them? God. Um, so Gregory not. Zarian, he his TV work includes Counterpart, Bones, Castle, General Hospital, Venice the Series, and his current reoccurring role on HBO's Westworld, which he recently got nominated for an Emmy for, which is incredible. No, Venice the Series is the one he got nominated for. I was going to say. And Lawrence, the twin brother, is a celebrated author, TV personality, fashion and lifestyle expert, and red carpet guru. Please welcome Gregory and Lawrence Azarian. Woo! <laughs> oh my God. Oh, yeah, so just just for the audience, uh, Lawrence just flashed a picture of his bum, and uh, I think <laughs> oh the applause God. were pretty much for well, that. Well, you oh. said, well, you said <laughs> the word orgy, and it is true, whether I said it or Gregory said it, oh you guys are orgies waiting to happen, oh. and we would do it. Oh but can I ask God. a question? Did what? you guys find my socks under your bed? And I'm just asking, because I can't find them. <laughs> God, that is almost is too personal for our podcast. Oh, Not quite, God, but you guys. almost. Slay, just send them back, okay? Thank oh. you so much. I swear to God, well, if there actually, is an article actually, written that we actually, had an orgy Gregory, with them, I will kill you all. Actually, yeah. Gregory, I'm still here at the house with Gretchen and Slade, oh, so I'll Jesus. bring the socks on you. Oh, my well, kiddo, they left this morning and they came. T- oh, my. Well, you said okay, you nothing. love twins. Okay. <laughs> See? Hi, everybody. Hi, Hi, Thank you for joining us today. Hi, my beautiful people. You're so, I just love looking at you. I wish this was a video thing for everybody to see because they're so beautiful. But um, you guys, there's so much to talk about. I want to get started with how we know these two beautiful people truly like inside Inside and out out, because they really are just um, such wonderful people. So let's see, let's go back to the history books of us and let's- The fashion team. Yeah, let's re- let's let's recap how we met. You remember, Lawrence? Tell yeah. us. Ten yeah, years I ago, was, I was hosting. I was hosting a show on the TV Guide Network called The Fashion Team. Yep. And once a week, we would have uh, celebrities come in. We would talk about red carpet styles, and then we would talk about celebrities and things that they were creating, they were designing. You came on the show to talk about your handbags, right? And you meet people for the first time, and it's like, "Hello, nice to meet you," or you meet people and you say, "It's nice to see you again." So I feel like we sort of just picked up where we left off. There was never any sort of getting to know each other because I felt like we were like, hi, guys. like, hi, guys. Yeah. Great to Our see people. You again. Yeah. yeah, you're so right. It was it was interesting, right? Because I feel like it was love at first sight. We literally just we just loved each other as people like we just we had this um, connection, I would say, in that very first moment that we met. We stayed longer 
post segment than it took to actually film the yeah. segment, right? Because I think I sp- we spent some time talking and getting caught up. It was yeah, really fun. It was really fun. And then, and you know, what was even more interesting about that. We weren't really even talking about uh, the Real Housewives of Orange County. We were yeah. talking about life, and to me, that is a part of your life. That's a part of your history. But yeah. once you turn the lights off and you turn the cameras off, I think for also for Gregory and I, that's when the relationship starts because totally. that's just one part of your life, but that's not your life. Well, thank you for saying that because honestly, there's so many people out there where, you know, you're defined by the show and people don't really get to see you past that or they don't want, they don't ask questions to find out truly who you are. They just are, you know, so interested in like the caricature, if you will, that they perceive you to be on the show. So, and they forget, and they forget that the show is highly edited. Right. You know, when people knew, you know, this is 10 years ago and when people found out that, you know, I was friends with you and then Gregory and I, uh, we all, once we all four got together, Mm -hmm. it was, you know, love at first sight. They would always say, what is, what is Christian like? What is Slay like? And we're like, hands down the best people you like, you have never been other than lovely, kind, genuine. So to see the way the show would edit people was doing a disservice, but it's entertainment. So you can understand why it was done, but hands down the two of you, Sweet, oh, love, so kind, genuine, oh. authentic, honest. We, if I didn't feel that way, I wouldn't be here. Thank well, and you, we and that. we appreciate that. We feel exactly the same way about the two of you. I mean, it's thank it you. doesn't matter that the space or time apart. It always feels like we've never left. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and I, I think yeah. true. I think truly, you find maybe a handful of people in your life that are that way. Let's tell the funny story, Gregory, of when you like how I'm sitting here being quiet. <laughs> You guys basically haven't met me yet, so I'm waiting. <laughs> no, exactly. I love you. Good job, honey. Um, it's always so that's hard. Like with me like- being in, that's, like, wait, that's like being in mom's, my, you know, our mother didn't know she was having twins until that morning. Wow. And then I came out first and then seven minutes later is Gregory. So Gregory, <laughs> now, you can, now you can come out of the Seven womb. minutes later, he's arriving. <laughs> Perfect. Um, Gregory, so I'm going to tell the story because I find this so funny. So how we met Gregory was first of all, the first time we met Lawrence, we had no idea that he had a twin brother, like clueless to that, right? And nope. so we go down to an event. I want to say, was it the montage, Gregory? Where was that? The Ritz-Carlton, I think. The Ritz-Carlton. The Ritz-Carlton. And we go down to the Ritz-Carlton and uh, Gregory is hosting on the carpet, doing interviews for this event. I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was an event It was to help, there. you know, it was great. It was to help dress women. Oh, okay. So it was to help dress women. I don't remember this because <laughs> I've done 9,000 uh, events in my life. But we walked up and I saw um, Gregory and I was like, oh my gosh, hi. And I totally thought it was Lawrence <laughs> because they're <laughs> twins. And not only are they twins, identical twins. Like literally to the point where you, like when we first started hanging out with them, I was like, okay, are you Lawrence or are you Gregory? <laughs> like I could not figure it out when I first started hanging out with them. And so I fully, and he's like, hi. And he acted like he totally knew who we were. <laughs> like, well, that's my question. You Have you guys done this a lot? Because you greeted us like you had seen us last week. Yeah. (laughs) Lawrence told me to. Lawrence said, pretend like you know them. That's right. And then I made you proud, kiddo. That's right. I remember you telling us that. And then when you finally believed me for being a twin, Slade, do you remember what our conversation was? It was all about pocket squares. It was about pocket squares. And I think I had done something with paper. You did. You did. It was all about pocket squares. And we... uh, we were so not involved really in the event, but we were involved in this really great little kiki. So then you're like, we thought you were Lawrence, but now you're Gregory. And it was super, super fun. And for <laughs> me, it's exactly what Lawrence said. You know, it's kind of like, cause I, I believe in past lives. It's like, it's great to see you again. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. when you meet people, it's either this handout, hi, nice to meet you or how can we have not hugged already? And yeah. Um, yeah. you guys are what you see, what you get. And Lawrence and I immediately fell in love with both of you. And, Uh-oh. you know, Uh-oh. that's why we love you, you guys. can be friends. No, but you can be friends, but we are so grateful to call you our family. So yeah. we have been in this love orgy for over 10 years. Yeah. And <laughs> yes, we have. Hashtag love orgy. And I will also say this, life gets busy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Slade, I think you hit, a, hit the nail on the head. Last year was a very interesting year for me. And I had to go through a lot of my own stuff. We all have our journey. Yeah. And you had your beautiful baby. And I, I wasn't around as much as I would have liked to have been. 
But the reality is for me, you guys know, as I know with you guys, we will pick up where we left off. Totally. If there was anything that was important that needed to be said or discussed, we'd pick up the phone and say, hey, I really need to talk. This is important totally. or so whatever true. that is. So I, I've always felt very safe and comfortable and confident in what this is. The fact that like, you know, maybe during the time that we were having the baby, we didn't get to see each other as much. One thing I will say about you guys, though, is you always were still in touch. They still like, check. They always check. You in. still checked in. If you could, like, you guys couldn't make it to the baby shower, but you both like completely were like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so bummed. We can't be there. We love you. We send our love." So that's the type of friendships that you want, even if you can't see each other, even if you can't be together every minute of the day. People that still like are there and check in with you and say, I love you. And all the things that I feel like we all continue to do with each other. I think that says a yeah. lot about and, it. And not, and not to are. beat the dead horse or anything, but I mean, I, I would, I would say that the relationship with you is a little bit of the gold standard. I feel like um, we're always so excited to see them. It is always fun. Mm -hmm. It's always fulfilling. And it's like, we never get enough of that time with you guys. So, you know, there's again, very few relationships in life that are that way. We could talk all day about how fabulous we all are and what great friends we are, I feel like. Um, <laughs> so I want to start this conversation about the fact that obviously you both share the same face and are in the entertainment industry. So I have to ask you guys, um, has there been a lot of siblings? Really? Sibylline rival? That was like a hard mouthful I want, for me. I want to actually see you try that again. A hard mouthful. That sounded really like kinky and sexy too. <laughs> it does. <laughs> and back um, to the orgy. Yeah. First of all, it's very tough being twins in the sense that our parents brought us up as the twins. They didn't bring us up as Lawrence and Gregory. So we were born and brought up in many ways subconsciously trying to outdo the other but wanting to find our own independence. Whenever Gregory and I are out and about, whether together or on our own, if we see parents with twins, we always pass that information on. That's great. Beautiful children. They're obviously twins. Here's a little tip from both of us or myself or Gregory to these people. Uh, and it'll save the kids lots of money in therapy. Introduce them as Lawrence and Gregory. The, they're separate names because we can see that they're twins, but the twin part should always be secondary. Interesting. And in, and in regards to the business, our careers have intertwined back and forth a lot. Mm -hmm. And yes, there has been major, major sibling rivalry, but the one thing I feel that we've never done is we've never given up. Yeah. On, on the communication. And it's been tough. I mean, it's not going to be easy. Some of it has been really, really, really tough because in life, people make a choice. I like Gregory better. I like Lawrence better. Gregory's thinner. Lawrence is thinner. Gregory's much better looking. Lawrence is much, much better looking. <laughs> like it's a, oh my God. a Look at Gregory, Gregory holds up, up the, a picture. He's got his, he's got his headshots, his tear sheets in the back. Oh here. my God. That's so funny. So it's, it's a constant, it's a constant, it's a constant struggle. We've never been in a better place. Yeah. But mm. it's, it's, it, it has not in any way been easy, but we don't give up on each other. And I will say Gregory is hands down my biggest fan. Is it coincidence that you both ended up in soaps? Because I, I think you that was you, just the nature of the business. Gregory well, you were you were writing lives. first, right? You were writing soap operas. Is that first? And then Gregory no, was Gregory, acting? Or is it Gregory was acting Gregory was acting on Days of Our Lives. I yeah. worked at a I was working at a department store and some one of the writers, Tom Racina, came up to me. I was a salesman and he said I was helping him with clothing and he said, um, are you an actor? And of course I said, sure. And next thing I knew I was on Days of Our Lives and it lasted a couple months. And the interesting thing is at that time, I was the actor, Gregory wasn't. Interesting. Oh, yeah. interesting. I yeah. Was, so did I that, the, so did that piss you off, Lawrence? Were you like, what the hell? Like my brother, like, oh, isn't even acting and I'm trying to do the acting and like he gets, goes and gets on the soap. Yeah, that was very tough. But the whole point was they were going to do a whole twin storyline, but Gregory destroyed that. You're oh, right. there's the first rivalry of in the business. Rivalry. <laughs> rivalry. Here's, here's the Whatever. funny part is Lawrence and I would go to soap opera events and Lawrence was up my ass. Go to class, go to class, go to class, go to class. And at the time, we were very good friends. We are still very, very close to Emma Sams. Mm -hmm. She was on General Hospital, she, Dynasty. Mm -hmm. And I would go run lines with her. 
However, me studying was the farthest thing from my mind. I'm like, I'm on a soap opera. People are recognizing me. And I didn't take it as seriously as Lawrence had invited me to. So I was written off because I wasn't good. And uh, I, I wasn't good at all. And the woman that wrote me off, go ahead, Lawrence, you pick it up. Her name is Sherry Anderson. So when I moved to New York at 22 years of age, I was working at a restaurant, Canistow's 19th Street, Park Avenue South. And this writer, Tom Racina, that brought Gregory on to Days of Our Lives was working on another soap opera called Another World. Tom said to me, Sherry Anderson is actually looking for an assistant. I became her assistant. Wow. And then I started writing dialogue for different soap operas. And then I was uh, in a very sweet, intimate relationship with Sherry for four years. And then she is still to this day, she's married. She's been married for 25 years. God had another plan for me. Uh, God had another plan for me in my journey, but she is still to date my best female friend and is always there for me, always there for Gregory. Gregory, you're up. Say something. Oh, hi, my hand is raised. But the thing about Sherry Anderson is she was the one that wrote me off. That's what I was going to say. It's like, how did that? She's, no, she, she, she wrote me off. And uh, we, I was, yeah, she wrote me off because I sucked. I, I, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Was that, that odd for her? Hold on, I gotta, I gotta back this up real quick. Uh, Lawrence, when you say you were in a sweet, intimate relationship, are you talking about sexually with her? I will say this. I, when Sherry and I, Sherry actually came to check in on me the other day um, because I hurt my leg and I'm recovering and I'm fine. But we really got into that conversation. Sherry and I were in a very intimate, emotional relationship. Okay. When I first met Sherry, I was very honest. And I said, I was young. I was 22. Yeah. And I don't want to say, well, you know what I was? I was struggling with my sexuality. And I said to her, I just want to let you know, I think I'm bisexual. Yeah. So she was very aware of what my journey was. Sherry is older. And in some ways, I feel as if Sherry now being able to look back at my past was in many ways that of a, I would say a guardian angel, a mother figure. Yeah. And to me, relationships can be sexual and intimate. Yeah. They can also just be sexual or they can be emotionally intimate. And that right. was one of the most intimate relationships I've ever had. And I've said this and I have it in my book. And I say to anybody that asks me, Sherry Anderson gave me my wings to fly. Wow. She loved me in a way that nobody had ever loved me. Wow. Look, I'm 23 years old and I'm being courted by ABC to write scripts. Right. She gave me these wings to fly and nothing I ever did was wrong. So whatever, and now that I'm considerably older, whatever that is, I only bring, invite, have people in my life that love me and celebrate me for me. I'm gay. Yeah. It's yeah. been a journey. I have people that have stood by me through all of it. Mm -hmm. And as long as we are seeking and questioning and asking, Amen. your life just gets bigger and better. Being gay is not a choice. I didn't choose this. I choose to be intimate with women. I chose to have sex with women because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. Right. But be who you are. Be, I couldn't, I look, on Instagram the other day, I got a lot of support from it. I wrote on my Instagram at this age, and it's the first time I've ever done this because Gregory and I were brought up in a different world and a different time. I wrote, my name is Lawrence Zarian and I am gay and this uh, is not a choice. Uh, and we are all designed in God's image. Had you ever said that or written never, that like that? Never. never. That was the very first time. How did how did that feel like for you? Was that very freeing? I will say my friend Lenora that lives in New York asked me to be the keynote speaker of a pride service two years ago for the synagogue upstate New York, Synagogue Kolami. And it was a thousand person congregation. And it was all ages from newborn up to 85 years old. And I stood there in front of all these people and I said, I'm going to say something I've never said in my life. My name is Lawrence Zarin and I am gay. Yeah. And I started to cry. Yeah. A, the, the freedom of it, the burden was lifted. And 
to feel at this age that that was the first time I could say it made me sad. Yeah. I was happy that I was able to say it. And the thing that I struggle with the most, because, you know, the Supreme Court just passed the legislation that lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender cannot be fired right. for their way of life is it isn't a choice. Right. I did not choose to be attracted to men. It was a journey to date women. I am gay. I didn't choose this. I didn't ask for this. Nobody in their right mind would choose to wake up every day and have the world tell you that you're not right. 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 And it doesn't matter who's in my bedroom because you're not there. What happens in my bedroom, in my house right. is my decision. Mm -hmm. What happens in your bedroom, your house, your life is your decision. Celebrate and love each other. I, I get so angry that there are people that feel that they have a right yeah. to judge me for something I didn't choose. Gregory, talk to me about when, when was that moment for you? For me, I've never felt like I had to make a big announcement as to who, what, where, and why I am. I've just chosen to be it. You know, for years, I had really loving relationships um, with amazing women, and they were emotional, mental, physical, sexual, um, and they were great. And um, I now am in a great relationship with an amazing man, and you guys know John. And I live my life out loud in my life. And maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong. Um, I believe that who I am and what's important to me um, is just as important to who you are and what's important to you. Yeah. I don't have to make the announcement of it. I just live my life as, and I feel it's the same thing. You know, I'm very proud of being in a relationship with John, you know, Lawrence and John are the best of friends. You guys, you know, John has met Skylar. You know, we've been we've been yeah. with you. We've hung out with you. You love him, and yeah, I wonderful. love him. So I'm I think, so happy well, you well, found this John, man. Actually, <laughs> you and John, like, because it's been ten years that we've known you. So we've we've been friends through relationships and things that have happened in your life. We won't name names, Joe. We won't name names. Um, <laughs> uh, but John feels meant to be. When it well, comes it's, between it's the like two I of found, you, it's just meant to be. I know both of you struggled with bullying as young children. And um, you guys are also very actively involved in the Trevor Project. Will you guys touch a little bit on that? I'm, I, and I don't, it's really whoever wants to speak on this or if you both want to speak on it. Tell us a little bit about that and how you survived that. And what, um, you know, any of our listeners out there that are struggling with whatever place they're in, what suggestions or thoughts would you have for them? I had this huge realization last year for National Coming Out Day. I never had a National Coming Out Day because I had Gregory. So I've had so many areas in my life where I've never been alone. So as kids growing up, we were bullied. We were made fun of. We were the twins. We were the oddity. You know, we were the twin freak show. People made fun of me. People made fun of Gregory. And then they made fun of us. And on top of that, we're twins, so there's a constant judgment, a poking, a looking. Right. Whenever people meet us, there's already an instant judgment. Who do we like better? Who do we relate to more? And people mm -hmm. think it's sort of funny. So one of us is always dismissed or one of us is judged in a different way. So we know what it's like to be judged. And from our youth, we were bullied. And now we have both created these platforms, love, who you are. And to me, the biggest disservice that people have in their lives, especially our youth, is the phone. Because mm -hmm. these young girls, as you know, I do all these makeovers, mm -hmm. and so many young girls, so many women of all ages, ranges, and sizes want to be what they see on the phone. Yeah, They'll use a That's filter. Right. They'll try to do this. They'll try to do that. God created us all individually, a couture dress, one event, one night, one person. You are a couture. You were designed specifically and uniquely. And look, I get wrapped up in my shit too. I sometimes look in the mirror and I hate what I see. I think it's common, but if I give into that, I will lose. 
So what I always, always do, and I tell this to everyone, first of all, you're not alone. You can find somebody that is just like you somewhere in the world just by going to your computer, number one. Right. And there are discussion groups where you can, like with the Trevor Project, if yeah. you're struggling with your sexuality, your identity, go to the, go to the Trevor Project. You're not Trevor alone. Chat. It's called Trevor Chat. One. Number two, look in the mirror and love what you see. It is who you are. It is what you are about. If you can't celebrate and love and be you, then you're living an inauthentic life. It is tough, but I choose to live my life by what other people see. Like when we got on, you guys all said you like my shirt. Everybody tends to like this shirt. So guess what? I wear it all the time. If I get a haircut or somebody says, I like that or I like this, let other people celebrate you and let that sink in. Because the world will tell you, not that you live to get the praise from the world, but what I see in the world sometimes can, what I see in the mirror can sometimes be tough. Why don't I let the people that love me tell me how they see me? It's always nicer. It's always sweeter. Yeah, that's so and true. it's easier. Yeah. Especially, I mean, that's such a valid point to say, you know, with social media nowadays. I mean, so many people look to their phones and look to social media for approval. And we're truly missing that connection with the people that are right in front of us that like that those are the people that God put in our lives or that you know that that truly love us and see us for who we are and we're constantly going to our phones or to social media to find approval and we're losing touch with the important things in our lives and I think that's such a good great point that you make Lawrence on that um Gregory what's uh your thoughts on that here's my thought uh Cyberbullying is a, it's, it's, it's rampant now with everybody at stay home. Yeah. You know, it's, it's on the rise and, you know, we, we kids engage, people want more, you know, it's kind of like one more sentence, one more comment and here. Yeah. What I say to anyone that is dealing with bullying, especially cyberbullying, close your computer, turn off your phone, call your mom and dad, say, Hey, I need help. Talk to your partner. You know, bullying for me is just somebody wanting to, feel better about themselves. And the only way you can do that is if you tear somebody down. But if I close my computer and walk away, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. You take their power away. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is an epidemic. Yeah. The only way to not be bullied on your phone, iPad computer is to not engage. We have a dear friend named Bianca and she always, she gets, she, she always says when things happen for her and she doesn't want to participate, she just doesn't catch the ball. So don't catch the ball. Don't engage when yeah. somebody says something that That's is hurtful great. or mean. Ask them how they are. And if it keeps on getting worse, then just quit engaging. You know, we, we are born to be loved and we are lovable, period. And we say this to our nephews all the time. When you are with your friends or you see somebody that is by themselves or not being picked on the team, Go up and say hi. Ask them what their name is. Love Talk it. to the outcasts because that one person may end up to be your very best friend. Love that. That's such that's such great. All of that is such great advice. And, you know, it's it's I love the fact that you say literally put the phone down, close the computer, walk away. And, you know, I'm guilty of that. I sometimes get caught up in, you know, the people being assholes on social media and I get hurt. My feelings get frustrated. But What's funny is I've learned over the years, because now I've been doing this, you know, eight or 10 years, I've been, you know, in this uh, industry where people have access to you to give you their opinion every second of the day. I've learned that if I literally just respond, Jesus loves you, they have no clue what to say back. <laughs> like they literally oh, are I like, love that. wait, what? Like they, they're just like, huh? Like they don't even know what to say back. Like they, it, it's so funny. So sometimes when you just disarm somebody with love too, sometimes they're just like, I, I don't even know what to do. So I'm, that's just another piece of advice. If you really can't stay off your phone, you can just, you know, try and kill them with niceness sometimes too. And then a lot of the times the people flip and they come back and they're like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, so. Well, because we also don't, because we also don't know somebody else's journey, what shoes they're walking. Exactly. In. Exactly. And, you know, let go, let God. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. So there was true. that statistic that I just heard, and I, I keep remembering it for, for, for those people that we work with that struggle with some of the abuse that happens on social media. Um, everyone has a very strong opinion about things. And they talked about the fact that in your life, you're very, very lucky to count 10 really, really good friends. 
10 friends where, you know, they have this relationship where it doesn't matter five minutes, five months, the, the, the distance between that never seems like anything has ever changed. The statistic is at your funeral, on average, no more than 10 people will actually cry. And if for some reason it rains, half of them go home. Mm. So the question is, wow. why are you spending your time being so concerned with individuals who you don't really know? They're not your friends. They're not going to show up to your funeral and they really just don't care about you. So why are you so concerned about what they have to say? Because in the, in the scheme of things, in the big scheme of life, they're nobodies. But that's what our lesson is then. You know, you have a birthday party and you invite 500 people, but it's that 499th person that really doesn't care about you and you focus on that person. Right. Yeah. So it's the, so that's, I think that's where the loss, that's where the lesson is. And it's never losses, it's always lessons. So, you know, we keep, I'm in therapy and my therapist said something to me years ago. Okay, you've, you've finished that assignment. And I had spent so many years working on the assignment with my mother. And the journey, the history, our pain, our past, how we created a, a, a current relationship. And she said, okay, that assignment's done. Mm -hmm. I've already done what I've needed to do. Yeah. And same thing with my father. And same thing with why is that so important? And now that we are all on lockdown, it has been the biggest struggle, but also we'll never have this time again. Right. Instead of going out, we get to go in yeah. and find out who we are. And hopefully on the other side of this, the group is smaller yeah. and it's the people that you can call that you know will be there. Isn't that the truth though? I mean, I, th I feel like I've learned that a lot during quarantine. I think, I think, you know, somebody made this beautiful post the other day. It went viral. Her name was Leslie something. And it was like, uh, you know, she started off saying something like, is 2020 canceled? And she's like, no, 2020 actually has been the biggest lesson of our lives. And like, it was such a beautiful sentiment. I wish I could read it to you guys right now. But it was one of those moments that it, it made you go, wow, there is so much that has happened, but it's truly caused all of us in the world, world, to put our lives on pause and take a very deep look and really get to the core of what, you know, makes us up as human beings and what's important, well, what's important and what's, and it's brought families back together. It's brought people back to a place of picking up the phone. I mean, uh, uh, Gregory, we've done, you know, Facebook lives together. I mean, it's stuff that like normally in our day-to-day fast-paced life, you're not really finding the time to do. And now we're like, well, what are we going to do? Let's get on the phone. Let's talk. You know, so there's stuff that has happened during this quarantine that I feel like has been such a huge awakening for so many people out there. Um, and it's, it's just been a beautiful thing on so many ways. You know, it's interesting, you guys, because we love you guys so much and we have so much fun with you. And I wanted to keep this very lighthearted, but because we've gotten into some deep, um, tough topics, I want to do one other one with you guys, and then we'll get into more lighthearted things. But, um, I think this is an important topic because I think there's so many people out there that have struggled with this. Um, it's, it's runs deep in our family as well. Um, and you guys have both dealt with addiction and, um, you both are sober now for, I think, has it been 14, years. 14, 14 years, 14 and a half years, 14 and a half years. And I want to, I want to talk a little bit about that. I want to dive into that a little bit, um, that how you guys, you know, how you guys even, how that even started and where that came from and how you came out the other side, because I think there's so many people in it and they never see the light at the end of the tunnel. So I think your guys' journey is such a, you it's know, inspiring. inspiring journey for so many people out there. You want to go first, kid, or do me to go? You have eight days ahead of me, Florence. Go first. <laughs> Lawrence seems to beat you and all the like, and gets to there before, right? <laughs> Gregory, he was born before you. <laughs> He came out first, but I, I just want to throw this real quickly. What I, one thing that you said, Gretchen, that I love is I feel we all just have a global reset. Yeah, totally. It's just a huge global reset. Okay, Lawrence, go ahead. I think we do have a big global reset. And what I have learned in my 14 and a half years of sobriety, and by the grace of God, July 29th will be 15 years. Congratulations. Thank you. you I have learned to... Forgive my parents. Mm -hmm. My parents are products of their childhood. Mm. Our parents did the best they could with what they were taught Ugh. and what they needed to totally do to survive right and what they did to survive in every given moment. Yeah. Our mother and father were very young when they had children. They didn't have the best examples, 
because it was a different time. Mm -hmm. Our father was born in a third world country. Our mother was born during the ravages of World War II. Yeah. In, in hindsight, they shouldn't have been married, but they found each other and they had children. Mm -hmm. And with no tools come no tools to pass on to children. Mm -hmm. When our mother was pregnant with us, her doctor, Phyllis Muller said, Doris, have a couple drinks, have some wine. And our mother passed away at 58 years old of alcoholism. Wow. And she drank when she was pregnant with us. So I do believe that I was born with that ism, that allergy. Mm -hmm. I started drinking when I was 14 years old. Mm -hmm. I'll remember the first drink to my last drink. I really hit my emotional rock bottom and it wasn't easy. It wasn't good. It was dark and alcohol and drugs were a part of my story. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to feel any of my life. Mm -hmm. I wanted to escape. I had just bought a house. I was on lots of television shows. And the one thing I didn't want to do was be me. Yeah. So I hit two rock bottoms. The bottom is it's what it's called when you feel like you have nowhere out and you've just hit the bottom. Yeah. Well, a bottom has a trap door and I dropped yet again. Wow. And I knew that either I say I need help and I go to a facility, I call it camp, or I was going to die. Yeah. Um, Gregory held my hand, Sherry held my other hand, and I found camp. And it taught me different ways of life. And through a 12-step program, I have been clean without any sort of chemical in my body for 14 and a half years. It is tough. It's not easy. But every single day I live a new life, every single day I find a way of being happy, joyous, and free. And for somebody struggling, especially now with lockdown, mm -hmm. find me on Instagram at Lawrence Zarian, and I will guide you. I will help you. I will hold your hand because people held my hand. You do not have to be alone. And the thing that I always say to people, <laughs> the thing that I always say, if you don't drink, if you don't use, if you don't give in to one of your addictions, because we all have our shit, if you don't give in to that, nothing will happen. But if I drink alcohol, I will then use and I will die. Yeah. I don't want to die. Yeah. I don't want to die. I have everything. And I thought I had nothing. You are so not alone. And the best thing that has happened on this journey, because I've given my life over to God, is I get to do it with Gregory. Mm. Our language is different. You know, you talked earlier about the competition. If if we weren't sober, we wouldn't be doing this with you. Yeah. It has given us new tools. And the last thing that I will say is because of my journey and my walk, I'm a gentleman, mm -hmm. but I've also learned how to be a gentle man. Mm. And I take responsibility for everything I've done. And I have so much. I, I have that. so much to be grateful for. I'm alive. Yeah. I get to do it every day. So that is me. Batter up, Gregory. You're up. Just <laughs> real quick, let me t talk on a couple points here. First of all, you made me cry. <laughs> so that was beautiful. Um, thank you for sharing that journey. I know that's going to help a lot of people out there. The thing that I love most about what you said was at the very beginning, and I think it takes a very big person to say this out loud and to recognize this. And it is, I forgive my parents. And I think that a lot of people out there carry so much resentment and so much anger and so much hate towards what's happened to them. And they carry that throughout their lives. And they always use that as a crutch, as an excuse to continue a bad behavior or do things that possibly are harming each other or, you know, what addiction is most of the time self-absorption and all of those things that are tied to that. And I can say that because I have family members who have been that person and still struggle being that person and still struggle with blaming, you know, parents or other things in their lives. So I love that that's what you said. And I think that if I'm not mistaken, to get to that place, was that through a lot of therapy that helped you get, come to that realization? Or did you figure that out on your own? I've been in therapy for a very long time. And through my 14 and a half years, 
we're peeling back the onion and mm-hmm. finding out more about myself. Yeah. And what I have realized is not that my parents weren't thinking about me, but it was never about me. Yeah. The choices they made were about the choices that the, the choices they made were because they had to have their own survival skills to survive their life. Yeah. My dad was born in a third world country. Right. I don't even know what that struggle was. Right. Our mother saw the ravages of world war two. Like, how bad has my life really been? Right. If you look at the juxtaposition of this to that, and it was never about me or Gregory or Vincent. When you have no tools, you can't build a house. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the right tools to build the house for us. And as somebody said to me early on in my sobriety, tell me your story, because I would love it. I would go out, I would drink my alcohol, and I would bitch about how bad Gregory was, how bad my career was, how bad my life was. Now, mind you, my life was great. Mm-hmm. Brand new house. on. I had nothing to complain about. Right. But in the addiction, it's poor me, poor me, yes, poor me. Yes. So somebody said to me, tell me your story. And this is when I had some sobriety under my belt. I'm like, oh my God, my dad did this. My mother did that. My mother did this. My dad did that. Then there's the older brother, Vincent. And then there's Gregory. And I threw it up yet again, because yeah. all I loved doing was complaining. Right, right. So this amazing person said to me, I'm sorry. He wiped the tears from my face. And he said, now, what would you be without that? Mm. And I said, and I said, what? And I said, well, who would you be without that story? And I couldn't understand. I could like, no, but that's my identity. Yeah, right, right. I'm my story. I, and once again, that was another step wow. to find out who I am. <laughs> if I didn't have that lesson, oh, I'm a twin and Gregory's always better. And Greg- No, Gregory did nothing other than show up in my life. Right. Gregory's done nothing wrong. It's how I respond to Gregory. Right. What you think of me is none of my business. It's it's a <laughs> constant revelation, a constant awareness. It's a constant, oh, wait a second. If I meet you where you're at, the way you treat me isn't about me. It's what you need to do to survive. Mm-hmm. I get to respond like, oh, you know what? I appreciate the conversation. Let me. I, the way I live my life is so different. I take responsibility. Who you, you do you, I do me. And if together we can do we, great. If not, live your life. God bless you. And I only wish you joy. Yeah. So Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Gregory. Now, I think a week later. Uh, well, it was about, Gregory, is it true? About um, eight days after Lawrence went to camp. Is that correct? Camp camp is is uh, rehab, right? Just for all those listening out there. Is that correct? <laughs> I did, yes. Okay, I just yes. want to make sure so that we're not misconceiving that. Or well, misconceiving because there's also, that. there's also, you can go. You're not alone. You can go someplace for somebody to help you, guide you, hold your hand. But you don't have to do this alone ever. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, Gregory, I think your story is interesting about this eight days after Lawrence, um, got sober. Tell, tell us your story from there. Yeah. So, uh, my father and I took Lawrence to camp and at the time I was in, uh, a 12 step program and I was doing the best I could with that program. And about eight days into Lawrence's recovery because I had never thought about going to rehab. I never thought that I had a problem. I never thought any of that. I met a friend of mine who was my sponsor in the other program. And I was so drunk from the night before she took me to a meeting and I fell to my knees after the meeting and I just started sobbing and I thought, wow, I'm in trouble. And from that moment on, I never looked back. And here's what this was for me is I wasn't happy and I wanted to die. Mm. The voices in my head were so loud that I thought if I drink more or do more drugs or do whatever, the voices were stop and they never stopped. Mm. So I was begging the voices to stop. And Gregory, can I stop you for one second on that? Because I have a question about that. The family member of mine says the same thing about the voices. I need to understand that a little bit better. What does that actually mean? 
The voices are the mental shaming, telling my voices are me telling myself I'm not good enough, telling right. me myself that it's my fault. I hate you. You know, it's this. And here's the fact. No one is saying anything other than myself to me. Right. So I am beating myself up in my head. I truly believe that when I say that I wanted to die, it's not that I wanted to die. I just wanted a reprieve. Yeah. So this is what my head anymore. This is why I'm asking this because this is going to help me understand my family member a little bit better. How how are you going to explain to us how you you get out of that or does that never go away? 14 and a half years later I don't want to die. But here's here's what it is. It's conversation. You know, being in a recovery program is the best ticket in town because all you're doing is you're talking out loud and sharing your deepest, darkest secrets. Mm -hmm. You know, Gretchen, it's not that I'm afraid to tell you my secret. We're just afraid of somebody else's reaction to it. Right, right. That's so good. I love that. That's so good. You know, so I'm not afraid to say X, Y, and Z to you. I'm afraid of like, oh my God, what's going to happen? It's like, you know, the husband that cheats on his wife. It's not the fact like I cheated. He's afraid of how it's going to hurt her. Mm-hmm. So in regards to the voices, I identified my voices. Mm-hmm. I, I stop myself when I'm in my head and I say, Gregory, stop. I take a few deep breaths. I, I get calm. I get planted and I stop thinking. But here's what it also is. An addiction is just mental self-obsession. Mm. What about me? What about me? What about me? When right. you stop that and you reach out to somebody and go, okay, okay, I'm mentally obsessed right now. Hey, I'm going to call my friend Gretchen. Gretchen, how are you? What's going on? How's baby Skylar? How's Slade? How are your parents? Yeah. You're not obsessing anymore. You find tools to stop your mental obsession and then get in service and make it about other people. Right. When you are of service, when you are, you know, if you're having a bad day and next thing you know, as you pick up your daughter where does your day go? You're yeah. taking care of your daughter. Right, right. It, it, it leaves you and then becomes a gift to someone else. Same thing with Slade. If he's in a bad, bad mood and he's like, hey, G, what's going on? And then you start talking to him about something that happened. It leaves him and then becomes about you and being of service to you. You know, some of the things I say to people that ask me is journal every day. I write a letter to God every day and it starts off with, dear God, and I am fearless. You know, if I, if I say in one of my meetings, Gretchen, you know, that I want to die, no one's going to be worried for me because it's, it's not that they're going to worry. They're going to make sure that I'm okay. It's just a conversation about me getting the voices out of my head, out there in the world, right. and then it diffuses it. We just need to get all of it out in the world and talk to people that love us and care for us so that we can find a solution and find out what that is. Most people resent other people for what they don't say. Mm-hmm. And most people don't communicate. They go, you did this. You made me feel that. And right. look what you've done. Right. So going back to what you were saying, Gretchen, about the voices is the voices are turning it inwards instead of just putting it out there and saying, hey, let me share with you what I'm feeling. This is exactly. how I'm feeling about this. When you open up and you're honest and you start really peeling back that onion and seeing all these things, whether it be what you were saying, Lawrence, about your parents or this or that, and taking responsibility for who and what you can be today. I want to thank you both for taking the time to have this conversation with us because, you know, to Gretchen's point, I really do think that it's it's inspirational and helpful to so many people that struggle with these things. I feel like you have to come back. We're going to have to do more. Yeah, because like you guys, there's so much to talk to you guys about. We barely even got to touch the surface of... Uh, Gregory, your Emmy nomination for your role in Venice, the series. I mean, I just, can we give like, where's the clap? Where's the clap? Where's the crowd? Yeah, Gregory. <laughs> wait, Gregory, wait, you, Gregory, you were nominated for an Emmy? <laughs> wait, Lawrence, you, wait, Lawrence, you hurt your leg? Did that, wait, and you went out with someone named Sebastian? Who? Wait, you had shoulder surgery, Gregory? What? See, this is what I'm saying. What? Like, there's so much more. There Lawrence, is. you hurt your leg. You were living with your brother and his partner, John, for a time where they took care of you. We have Emmy nominations. We have so many. Uh, uh, Gregory, so many. Sorry, Greg. Look at, see, I get these two mixed up 24 can 7. I, can I help you out here? Um, go can ahead. I help you I'm going to help you out. Okay, go ahead. First off, you both have to come back. <laughs> We will. Because there's a lot for us me. to discuss. So so what I want to know is, uh, 
we're, we're excited about the Emmy nomination. Gregory, congratulations for Venice. Thank you. We get to also see you in Westworld. Yeah, thank you. That's, so that's good. very exciting. So good. Lawrence, upcoming episodes of Home and Family. Have we gotten our pickup? Are we coming we, back? We, yeah. We are definitely coming back. The official uh, start to the new season has yet to be decided. Uh, I'm on Kelly Clarkson now, which is an absolute joy. Oh my gosh, doing these fa- fashion no, segments, no, right? Fashion, right? Doing doing my style stuff. Uh, so Home and Family up at the Hallmark Channel on the Hallmark Network. Um, Kelly Clarkson on NBC, and I'm always on the Instagram updating everybody. Yes, you are. They can get and yes, you are, updates. Lawrence. And hey, and then Gretchen and Slade. Let me say this quickly. I'll also come downstairs and I'll make dinner tonight. Okay? <laughs> that a boy. Yeah, I know you'll you'll, you'll hop on down. For those of you that don't know, please be sure to look up Lawrence's book, The Ten Commandments for a Perfect Wardrobe, a step-by-step guide to looking and feeling your best. It's a great book. Toss us your Instagram, Lawrence. Tell everybody where they can find you. Follow me for daily style and motivational updates at Lawrence Zaria. Nice. Gregory, where can we find you and all your amazing works? At Gregory Zarian. Everyone listening, it is Lawrence and Gregory Zarian. Thank you, my friends. Great to have you. Love you. Love you. Love love you. you, Love you. And uh, we will connect soon. All right. Talk to you soon. Here's the question of the day. Mm -hmm. If you had to sit down and, you know, not look out, but look in at yourself and you had to think about something that you've been carrying, something you've been struggling with. And you wish that you could tell everybody, if you could just live your truth, what would that be? Yeah. And I'm not saying you have to post it on Instagram. I'm not saying you have to go out and be as vocal as Lawrence was, mm-hmm. you know, to Gregory. He just wants to live his truth. He doesn't feel like he has to say it. But I think it's important for people to be introspective, especially in this time mm-hmm. of, of COVID and the quarantines, to really think about, are there things that I'm struggling with or carrying? Is there is there part of my truth that I'm not being honest with myself about? And maybe make a commitment to yourself to be more true and to live more honestly. And in that, you have a fuller, more beautiful existence, a more beautiful life versus trying to hide or carry these things. Right. And to add to that, too, in living that truth, um, does that mean that certain people are cut out of your life? And looking at that, does that make you realize that it's probably a good thing? Because if those people can't accept who you are, and embrace that and love you for that. Maybe there aren't people that are meant to be in your life anyway. So true. I only want those 10 people that are going to cry at my funeral. <laughs> oh, that's a little morbid, but okay. Yeah, well, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> On that note, you guys, don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen to our Not Too Taboo podcast every day. Thanks so much for tuning in again to another episode. We will see you guys next week. <laughs>